welcome uh, to this week's episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic with me, Nancy Carroll. And me, Sarah Crompton. And you join us today in our first episode after the Christmas. Happy after New Year. After a bit of a break. Bit We've of been a away break. for a while. But we have a special guest. Um, I had Drum the, roll. I don't know, yeah. Um, that uh, I had the absolute privilege and joy over the Christmas holidays of going to Beckenham Place Park and seeing the Revel Puck Circus, which was just completely took my breath away. And um, and we're really, really lucky today that we have the artistic director, Luke Hallgarten, has come to join us to talk about the Revel Puck Circus and everything that he's doing, which is really, really exciting. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Seems nice to start the new year with a circus. Or something kind of joyful, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with so much ahead that. of you, you're doing so much exciting, and you're off to Marseille tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early flight, glamorous Ryanair, um, <laughs> squeezed into the aisle seat. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Marseille sounds glamorous, but no, it's just really exciting. We've been talking, um, uh, sort of preparing for meeting you today, and just talking about the nature of what you do and and the difference where uh between where circus fits in this country and and how it's celebrated in a slightly different style and there's more language around it possibly in in Europe um and also about the nature of criticism of circus and and where which is often done by dance critics which is um, yeah. I think on the whole in this country at least um so that's quite interesting to me yeah, because it's such a different medium, and yet, and for that review and what reviews mean to a young upcoming coming uh, company, that that's really really important that you be, I suppose, judged in in the right way and with the right uh, language. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, at what point? I always, I find it interesting in terms of critics, and I don't I don't have an answer to it, but how how much of a understanding of the context within a certain form does a critic need to have in order to review the work and actually is it better that a critic has no understanding of circus or where a certain piece sits within that sort of yeah within the sort of arc of where the art form's going or actually would it be more valuable to the readers and to to the sector if there was a greater understanding of where something sat and where it had come from and where it was going yeah what made you what made you join the circus how do you start how did I start like honestly thanks to uh, youth programs like recreational youth programs yeah yeah yeah. my mum sent me to the circus school in uh, in Hackney in Shoreditch that was used to be called Circus Space now called the National Centre for Circus Arts. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, I was like bouncing off the walls as a kid. Couldn't really like engage with school very well. Didn't have any friends either. I was kind of weird as a like <laughs> odd child. Sat in my room a lot, doing lots of Lego and yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, sent me to the circus school on a Sunday for like two hours, and I just totally fell in love with it. I thought it was really amazing. It was like we were a vertical group, so there was lots of kids from lots of different ages. So okay. yeah, I started. When I was nine, but we were like kids younger than me, kids older than me, and got really kind of grabbed by it and always like loved going to see shows and really connected a lot more with theatre than with dance as a kid and now as well to a certain degree. But from the back of that, there was this amazing woman who kind of joined the school called Ira and she really wanted to make the youth program into something that was sort of like a progressive training program that oh, was like, wow. no, this really could be kind of a profession if you want it to be. Yes, and yes. so she started or her and a group of people, I imagine started the London youth circus, which became, right. you know, a sort of more rigorous professional training program that became part of the center for advanced training program, which like a lot of dance and theater. in, yeah. And so that kind of just, yeah, led to 
led to it being a viable career or appearing to be a viable career um, where you could really meet other professionals and see that it was a possibility. So, yeah, that's how it started, basically. But what made you want to start your own circus? I've always wanted to make my own work, I think. I've always wanted to create things and I really like working with people and I find that I personally I've always worked in a very collaborative sense and I think there's like such magic in making things with a group of people sort of around a common goal and so that was always the real drive was to make my own work I kind of tried to get a bit into directing things but there wasn't such a market for it particularly like no one was very interested (laughs) in me directing anything um and so yeah it seemed like the only way to make the work that I wanted to make was to start a company so yeah it's always been about the art I think and always been about making the work I'm really interested there because um I didn't have the luck of going to see the circus unfortunately I missed out but so I read up about you and I was interested that you so much see it as an art did you so did you start off by having a set of skills that you know were circus skills like juggling or tightrope walking and then went into seeing it as an art how's that kind of segue happen that you I think for for me, and it's very different for lots of different people, but obviously there's a very like yeah technical physical element to circus. I'm a juggler, like right. very much. I'm not an acrobat in any <laughs> any uh, any type of the word, uh, and all the acrobats in the company would tell you that. Right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, juggling was always a real passion for me in a sort of way into this world. And then I think in terms of the art and making things, I guess that's something that also draws people into circus in the same way that maybe it draws people into dance. Is that we want you're you're a child or a kid who wants to be physical and wants to create and where does that where do either of those drives come from within a person i'm i'm not a psychiatrist or psychotherapist i don't know but maybe it's those two drives of wanting to make and wanting to use your body and be physical that kind of meet in this middle spot and then yeah i guess because circus is so broad in terms of the sort of specific disciplines like me like a like a tubby kid can pick up juggling and suddenly be like hanging out with acrobats and you're all sort of starting to speak the same language it feels like it's quite an inclusive space for those types of people so yeah yeah. it's an interesting thing as well because I read you know some of your press stuff and you saying about being dyslexic Mm. and I think it's really interesting I'm dyslexic as well and my daughter is and I come from a whole line of dyslexics but we're very uh artistic I studied at art school and I think it's absolutely true that the delay that you have with with sort of grasping a literary version of the world because of those that wiring the way that we're wired means that your visual language is given longer to develop which is why often the the, in Scandinavia they produce a lot of designers because they don't start learning to read till they're eight Mm. so their visual language has been given an extra four years than a lot of other kids and 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 I think the idea of making art comes from an artistic or visual or sort of chromo understanding of the world, you know, and, and, and it's a language, isn't it? And it's a way of ultimately art is about communicating, yeah. you know, and, and what that does and, and what was so glorious about Revel Park was that I felt as an audience, we all leant forward into the space. And that that was what was so breathtaking. So I, I should explain that, you know, you have this beautiful clown. I, I don't know mm, what she was. Ariel. Oh, my God, she was amazing. And there on a number of occasions, and you had uh, another artist who was in the ring. The seal wheel. Yeah. On both of those occasions, there was just a moment 
where they stood in the ring and just connected completely with the audience right. before the before it started. Right. And and it's like this big question mark of of well we don't know which way this is going to go and it's sort of awkward but it's also incredibly charged and exciting and it we've spoken about um in in a previous episode that Julian Bleach uh, moment yes, in Shockheaded walked- Peter and complicity did it at the beginning of Out of a House Walked a Man where they talked about the science of an audience leaning into something and grasping uh, a sort of collective idea in, and they start to laugh out of nervousness and that then that builds in its own way. And that's what I recognised in what your beautiful clown was doing, that there was something so just simple but also trusting and glorious that, uh, and it felt like it took its place in a whole history of of that language and it was... and and. As a result, it became collaborative immediately, and and it was just beautiful. That's um, very much part of what you, you well, uh, reading you, you have you have specific things that you want people to, that you want to achieve, and that you want people to feel, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For us, it's very much about. I mean, in in kind of both of those moments, I guess there is the the reality of the situation for yeah. us, and in terms of that leaning in with an audience. I mean, I don't. Audiences are very intelligent. Yeah. Audiences know what's going on. Audiences understand the context that they're coming into. And anyone who thinks they doesn't, I don't think should be making work. Yeah. And so for us, it's very much about leaning into the fact that we're there's 500 people sat around us and there's this person on stage and yeah, like, yeah. you know, they got to do something. Yeah, and they, yeah. You know, they're, they're very responsible. Like all yeah. these people have paid money and they've like traipsed out to this dark park in Southeast London <laughs> to like see us do something. And, yeah. you know, to like, yeah, to find an expression, to find meaning where there isn't some and like, how are we going to do that? And actually just that moment, I think is such a beautiful thing for us within circus. We can, there's so many ways to kind of define it, but ultimately for me, a, a starting point is always, the technique so the tricks the skill and the person doing the technique and actually the place where i am currently much more interested is the person and how do we connect with that person it's real it's a reality fiona the woman who does the seer wheel she's just fiona on stage and actually in that that certain that piece within the show we're trying to explore the the show is a celebration of fear and that's the sort of dramaturgical arc that we're trying to find and it's a non-linear narrative but within that certain piece for us as circus people there's a real fear of not doing your technique like right. that's what gives us value on stage that's what people are going to clap at since we were kids you know like i juggle three balls and my aunt judy claps like that's how it works <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. where i find value and so within that piece the it's like very simple but the idea is that she hasn't got her thing she hasn't got her apparatus and so she has to be with this audience yes. without it and like well what does that like, what does that breed in terms of fear? And then how do we celebrate that moment? And I think it's that, that, I mean, Fiona is an amazing performer oh and an amazing God. artist. Yeah, yeah. She is just incredible. You will see it's beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. she, that leaning in sensation yeah. is really about engaging with with the reality and yeah. with, it's, it's just a woman on stage yeah. trying to make sure it's okay. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's that's really interesting. So I have, I, I have a slightly... Um, conflicted relationship with circus that I remember really vividly as a very, very small child being taken to see um, Billy Smart's circus in Mm. Manchester in Heaton Park. 
and um, it was huge. And I actually, what I mainly remember is being frozen. I, I just <laughs> memory of the evening being absolutely frozen. But the second main memory is I I didn't like the clowns, and um, it was at a point where there were still animals, and I wasn't terribly interested in the animals really, and was worried by that even at that age. And uh, but what I did love was the flying trapeze. And it was very high because it was a very big tent. And I remember just the thrill of that trapeze artist. And, and it's sort of what you're saying, because they also did seem more than anyone else in the circus to emerge as people, as well as these kind of magical creatures flying over me. Yeah. Um. So I was entranced. And then I have had years where I've... I... 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 I it, it is an interesting thing, the relationship between circus and dance, and you've touched on it, so that I, I find sometimes that I want the skills to be more than just skills, and I want them to evolve into something else. Yeah. But equally, I don't want them to be too antiseptic. I mean, you know, um, Cirque du Soleil are, are on at the moment, but I, I haven't been to see it. I mean, I have been to see a lot of Cirque du Soleil, but I haven't been to that because I kind of always slightly... Slightly alienated, really, by it. I mean, do you find other people are... I mean, what's... Yeah, Cirque du Soleil are uh, such a Goliath machine now, you know, and I think from their very... it's It's got to be such a kind of hard thing to sustain. Personally, it's not the type of work that I would want to make. I think they lean very much more into, like, a, vis- a visual than a visceral connection with an audience, which I guess is kind of what you were talking about yeah. with Billy Smart. It yeah. was actually, it's the visceral nature of what these people are doing that really strikes a positive chord with you as a child. Yes. Whereas, yeah, the visuals are sort of like, I don't know, to a degree, like... Don't really matter. No, I don't know, you know. <laughs> they and so, bit, yeah, they do a yeah. bit. Obviously, it's important. You can't just turn up in your pyjamas or, you know, and we just may as well be in a gym doing handstands. Yeah. But yeah, I guess there's a, there's a certain lack of that for me and quite a lot of the... And quite a lot of shows and I think it's it's hard to sustain you know like I, yeah I mean I'm not I've never worked for Soleil I'm not kind of running their their shows or understanding how they make the artistic decisions they make but there must be a lot of pressure to kind of deliver things on a certain yeah. scale um, so yeah and they are amazing how they do that I saw I saw the dress rehearsal of it at the Albert Hall uh, the same week that I, I saw yours and it's the first time I've ever seen it and it is I- impressive in that way and it but in a way that uh, you know that you that they're more like superheroes yeah you know and that it which felt felt in opposition to what you guys were trying to establish which i can't remember how you worded it um in the in the bump it was more about the it wasn't uh you know it was ordinary people with extraordinary skills rather than extraordinary people I can't remember how he worded it. Exactly. I can't. I, I can't it remember. Was brilliant. Either. Anyway, it was really brilliant. brilliant. A lot of copy written, but, 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 it, yeah. but you know, and and you know that whole. It is a spectacular, almost more than circus in in its rawest form, mm. and and you are supposed to completely, you know, sit in awe. That's yeah. the design yes, of that it. Is, is the design of it. You no, know, and, exactly and right. the, the the music and everything else. I, I suppose. I mean, my my favourite bit was this extraordinary clown, and I don't know where he came from, but he, it was 
it was just amazing. He he was a bit sort of Chaplin esque, right. really, mm. in his his physicality. I I couldn't even tell you what he did. He got um, this very nice lady out of the audience who was made to come sit on stage, and then um, he pretended to be a cat and <laughs> sort of stuck his bum in her face and did lots of things. Yeah, and you then you're summing up my reservations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. But what's interesting is often. And I, and I don't know, maybe this is something about me, but it's often the clowning that I respond to more than than the great feats of, you yeah. know. Physical. I think for us, there's like, yeah, I mean, there's a, something I guess I've, two thoughts I have. One is like, where's the resonance in yeah, the work yeah. that you're making? And I think that that's something that often I, f- I feel is lacking in circus shows I go and see. And actually when I go and see a piece of work, a good piece of work is sitting with me two weeks, a month, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm sat on a train and something reminds me of this moment in a piece that I saw that touched me in a way that I kind of didn't think I, there was a part of me that I didn't know. And I think that's what we're constantly searching for. And when you go to these sort of the spectacle scale of things, it's very hard to to find that resonance right. and to give yeah. that to an audience yeah. and to give that to each individual. The clown, I think, is a very interesting point in terms of an audience's relationship with the work that you're making. Yes. And, you know, the last show we had, we did, we didn't have a clown character kind of in it, but this right. one is about fear and clowns are, I think, they're the second or third biggest phobia yeah, in yeah. the world. And yeah. so, you know, so, okay, we're talking about fear and we're a circus show. So, it, you know, we really should talk about this idea of clowning more in a sort of more like artistic sense in terms of the history of clowning and the history of circus. Clowns are the point of um, humility and connection and relatability for an audience member, right? It's like, oh yeah, okay, I'm not the person who like does the somersaults or if, you know, is flying on a trapeze, but I have been the person who sat down on a chair and missed the chair and fallen over on my ass. Like, and so I think for us, we want to bring that energy into every person on stage and to have that relatability with every person on stage so that we can identify with you know, we have another moment in the show where someone, you know, uh, Emily, has to jump off something very high. And yeah. We want everyone to feel that moment of like, to a degree, there's quite a lot of peer pressure. You know, you have this audience like egging yes. this person on and she's not really, she's actually is genuinely scared of heights, uh, <laughs> which I think she's overcome from doing the show so much a bit. Yeah. But yeah, but, you know, how do you actually connect? And at the, in the end, she is extraordinary. Like what she does is extraordinary, but at the base of it is a person right. who is trying to overcome something. Yes, yes. And you were saying, Nancy, that what you love is the kind of rawness, that rawness in in the Revel Puck. Yeah. Um, that was what made you say, because you did actually, she did, Nancy did, I can tell you, um, in a kind of electronic man- manner, sort of skip out of the circus like a child. Because yeah. she, <laughs> she was texting aware, oh, this is so brilliant, this is so brilliant, this is so brilliant. <laughs> and so you thought, you know, that real communication of something that had really, really excited you. Yeah, but it was everything. It was It was the way that we were greeted. It was the way that you guys were serving all the drinks in the, you know, and for my kids... You know, to see all of that and to know that you guys were creating it and because you're all younger and it's clearly yours and you're inviting people into the possibility of this and we're sort of, I don't mean grassroots level, but it feels like it's the, you're near the beginning of a journey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know what we're doing, really. But, but, but that's, <laughs> you know, for, for teenagers, particularly my kids, to go, oh, my God, these people are closer to my age than my parents' age and look what they've created already and look what they've created, you know, since COVID and in the face of everything. Because I'm married to an actor, you know, and, mm. and we talk about, 
what the hell is going yeah. on yeah. and how do we regrow and what is that language and how do we get people mm. back into theatrical spaces and how do audiences feel comfortable again and what's the new language what what can we sort of gather back from the old language but what has to change moving forward and they're part of all that and what I felt watching you particularly when you guys sang a cappella about the hard times during mm. one of the aerial acts I just it just took my breath away I thought it was so exciting and there are so many extraordinary messages particularly for a younger audience. And and it's interesting what you were saying about the clowns, because the clown, apparently, because uh, my best friend's absolutely terrified of clowns. She yeah, I'm not like yeah. wet <laughs> Wait till you meet Ariel. Honestly, she'll change her mind. <laughs> but she's amazing. You know, but the clown, apparently, in like ancient China and Rome and Greece was always played by the priest. Right. They didn't like big sort of community mm. gatherings and in market spaces and stuff. It was the priest who played the clown. and I And I think... As a as a sort of analogy of what that represents, somebody who's sort of slightly on the outside but offers a a power of understanding and connection. That's absolutely right. I mean, what they've become since you yeah, know Saw or mm-hmm. some other awful film that I could never sit through. You know, where the where the clown is the scary murderer or whatever. I mean, that's just changed the face yeah, of everything. Yeah. But it, um. You, really and truly, that you, what you say about them being a point of contact and that that joy, and also the sadness and and the humanity of that is is always amazing. Yeah, yeah, you hope to you hope to tap into it. I guess. Yeah, I think. I mean, like, clowning is a form. I won't pretend to be any kind of expert at all. You know, my background circus and clowning is very much something in its own in its own right. But I do think it's a shame. You know, there's a lot of people who are still clowns but probably won't identify as one and those clowns as a provocateur i think joe lycett is a great example in current popular culture of doing you know exactly exactly that and how do you saying how um that in europe there's a a much more of a a language and that you know and critically as well in in the papers you were saying that there are yeah 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 it's amazing i mean it's a totally different world yeah circus sections in the paper yeah i got to i was yeah um, I went and studied in Toulouse at a circus school there and got there onto the metro and opened up a newspaper and I couldn't speak, couldn't speak, couldn't read, couldn't do any French and just flipped through it. And on the culture section, it's theatre, dance, circus. Wow. And it's, you know, it's a circus critic talking about the work that's coming to Toulouse, the context that sits in, why it's coming, why it's exciting, who the director is, what they've made before. I mean, it's, you know, it's Why is it, if you look at the history, why is it that circuses in this country sort of got separated from that kind of interest? Because presumably it was once... Yeah, like so. Supposedly, modern circus was uh, created in Waterloo in in London, like in 224 years ago. Yeah, 225 years ago, we're in 2023. Um, And I think that it's... It's a tricky one in the UK. I think we're particularly because of how much theatre is English language and so much amazing theatre is kind of in the English language that that was something that really kind of excelled and took off here. And then circus to a degree became a very commercial thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and very much became about generating a lot of income, which is never a bad thing, of course. But I think within the European context, and particularly in France, there was a big push from the state in the early 80s to fund popular art forms and to fund work that, you know, would sort of act as a way that anyone could come and see it Mm -hmm. and a real gateway into accessing culture, which is, you know, a real fundamental part of the sort of French ethos. 
right. I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, so they put a lot of money into it. Right. Basically. And I suppose that's very, that is very much the tradition you're really working in because the thing I do love about you is that, that you've got two things going on. One is you do live like circus people, you know, like, like all my, you know, all those novels about children who run away <laughs> to the circus, <laughs> you know, little caravans and all of that. And yeah. a community, which I think is one of the things that's so interesting about a circus that, you know, that rat, you know, that literal round thing of being in a circus, being all together. Um, but also you are, you, and because of that, because you're, you tour, I mean, you do go to places like Lewisham, which is new to us, of, of they, that don't have huge amounts of access to any other form of arts. Yeah, I mean, it's so important, you know, like art, did not to be like too cheesy over a bit, like culture changed my life, you know, and access, being able to access art changed my life and changes so many people's lives. And it's it's hard to find really amazing culture for a lot of people. You know, it's hard to access it. It's hard to afford it. And it's also, it can be quite alienating, I think, you know, and I think potentially within the circus context as well. I mean, that's something we connect with in terms of like not fitting in at school and feeling very alienated from all of this and then finding this place that we can kind of connect with all of these things. And so for us, the circus tent and like the, like, trying to make it a democratic space where anyone can come in and anyone can enjoy it and English doesn't need to be your first language you don't need to have any sort of understanding of (laughs) anything (laughs) and you can still connect with it and come with people you know you can come with your kids you can come with your grandparents you can come with your teenage you know um, anyone and I think it's really it really matters to us and it really matters to the work we create and how we make it and how we present it and the big top it's it's not easy and it's quite scary and it's high high risk financially, but it matters so much to us and matters so much to making sure that everyone from everywhere has access to culture. Right. I mean, that's what's extraordinary. We we did an episode about the arts cuts a, a few episodes ago, and it is that thing of it's almost too big to find the words to to describe how important it is, and particularly when it's under threat. Yeah. You know, and we've had decades now of you know, that sort of access being available to people who, you know, aren't in cities or who aren't in privileged areas or don't have, come from families who think that they're entitled to that, you yeah. know, or, you know, have sort of slightly fallen off the, the path, as it were, at school. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the culture in those circumstances is often to punish rather than to find new space yeah. and new language. And that's... I think that has to change because, you know, there are so many kids who are sort of completely apathetic because they've been disenfranchised by the current education system that actually the idea that something exists for them that can completely set them alight and give them a comp- a life that they didn't think that they w- was even possible is just so exciting. And, and yet that isn't what's on offer. And, no. and as you say, it should be. Yeah. And I think I like, you know, arts cuts, arts cuts, arts cuts, like it's terrifying and it's not... And- Oh, it's not good. The one thing that terrifies me the most is young people, young people losing access to recreational activities and yeah. like affordable recreational yeah. activities. And there's like uh, Michaela Cole's Metaggart lecture, and she's talking about like there was this. She got into theatre and into writing because her mum was working free jobs, and on a Saturday, her mum had like 
pissed them. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I can swear. Like annoyed. Them. <laughs> no, it's not the BBC. It's not, you know. <laughs> she like annoyed the neighbours enough with looking after her kids right. that actually it was the Saturday theatre group that was a pound right. that she could send her three kids to, and that's how like Michaela Cole. I mean, I think she's one of the most amazing writers of yeah, yeah. you know undoubtedly. You know, she's just incredible, and we wouldn't have that voice and we wouldn't have that connection and we like we as a society wouldn't have found that the meaning that she's found for us yeah if that class hadn't existed and they're dropping off you know you're being pushed to to commercialize to become more corporate to just you know provide for people who have the means to pay Mm. for these classes and yeah i think it's very short-sighted. And when you say that culture saved your your life, yeah. I mean, do you mean circus culture? That, that was your entry point? I think it? so. Yeah, I mean, like, saved my life. Maybe it's a bit dramatic. <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it, um, it gave me purpose and it gave yeah. me meaning and it gave me a community and it gave me something to be proud of. You know, it gave me a reason to wake up. And, and nobody's and scared it. of going in a tent. Actually, I do think that's the difference because people do often say, and I've seen people do it, actually stand at the door of a theatre. I've actually had conversations mm. with people and they've said, oh, I, I don't think I could go. In there. And yeah. I always... You know, you say, oh, well, this cheap What, post-COVID? No, uh, just generally that there's that sense that, you know, it's a building, it doesn't belong to you, it's, you know, maybe a municipal theatre or whatever. Whereas a tent, everybody can walk into, can't you? I mean, that is a kind of thing. I want to ask just one question before we wind up, and then I want you to talk about raw edges. But um, why is is circus... um, I mean, it's obviously different than dance, but why aren't they more closely? You obviously feel they're not very closely related in a way. So why aren't they? Because I think people do tend to see them as being part and parcel of the same thing slightly. Do you? That's really interesting. Why do you think? Well, I'm going gonna, gonna to respond. Why do you think that people see <laughs> yeah, dance just, and circus just as because, part and parcel? Because they're a physical art form that they communicate without words. They require a high level of body skill. Um, and I think theatre is seen as being slightly separate. And, and in this country anyway, that theatre... Circus and dance are more lumped together. Mm. Why do people think that circus and dance are the same thing? Or why are circus and dance different? Why are they different? Tell me why they're different. Tell tell, me why I should start to love circus more. Why you should start to love circus more. Um, Because anything can happen at the circus. Because things can go very wrong. And I think they should go wrong. And it's that connection there. I think we're much less choreographed. I think that the... What did someone say to me? And maybe this is true of dance as well. I think I was like on a pedestal, not literally a, a festival talking about circus. And someone said to me, Luke, there's not, it's not the circus, it's circus. And it can mean anything to anyone as an artist. And I think we're so, it's such a kind of young form. And to a degree in this country, we have this opportunity of like, no one does really understand what it is. And yeah, okay, people have kind of tried to make like dance circus or theatre yeah. circus, but actually like, it's so open to be whatever we want it to be. Right. It's an umbrella term as well, isn't it? The, you know, there are so many things and it's almost an adjective as well as a noun in, in yeah. that way. And and I think that it's interesting that it me, that circle mm. is is part of its its sort of meaning in that way that it it's inclusive. Yeah, yeah, for by sure. By virtue of the fact that you are and also it uh it was I Thought I was thinking of other other circuses I've been to throughout my life and what they meant at various points. And I, uh, you reminded me in lots of ways of Delaguarda. Did you see? Yeah, 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 yeah. With as well. Yeah, and they yeah. were, and that it was interesting that that came out of, and I really don't know the exact so uh, history of it, but what I remember reading at the time, and this was many, many, many years ago, was that they had come out of the revolution. 
I don't know. Yeah, they're Argentinian. Yeah, they're, they're, they're from it, Buenos Aires. It was Aires, a reaction but... to the oppression pre-revolution, and that that the it was a celebration of freedom. Right. And yeah. that and so that initial. Did you see them when they were at the roundhouse? And they I had, did. Yeah. Did you see them? Did they have? I can't remember. I think so basically, they, the, they had people swimming over the top. Of you, swimming over the top. Yeah, yeah the big, they, had, they, they were the first ones with the big treadmill yeah. and the yeah. guy running. And yeah. now everyone's yeah. got a bloody so big treadmill. That. It you was were really pushed thrilling. into the roundhouse and disorientated. So right. the whole concept of of the audience is initial feeling was that of disorientation, yeah. mm. loss of control, and then they have the the paper ceiling onto which things were being dropped, confetti right, yes, and various yeah, bits yeah. and bits of water and whatever, and then there'd be this... And then suddenly a foot would come through right. and then suddenly all that paper came away and then it was a big... Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. And then it was just... But you you were saying with Revel Park just yeah. that, that what you loved was... The, the what Luke's saying really was the is that unpredictability is that kind of yeah that it felt that that it was a celebration of rawness and uh, possibility and connection and that um, you know that it had grown from a love of that and that that was very much part of the message and that your you you know you made a speech at the end and. That for me was just everything, which is why I wanted to contact you and and begin a conversation. Nice. And and but also the the singing, uh, you it was a the aerial act with the a cappella singing and the song about hard times. I think that you know what we've been through uh, globally uh, as well as nationally as well as locally has been you know a, a trauma in a way that we have not yet found a language for. But it felt like it was present in, but not in any sadness. There was no sadness in that space. It felt like there was growth and love and uh, just it was joy in a way that was completely palpable, but it it, it represented the beginning of something. Mm. And and the idea that that we were walking into a community that we were being welcomed into and then shown extraordinary skill but extraordinary skill that had grown you know from a love of something rather than some superhero you know you know in the way that other circuses are going i'm amazing look at my muscles you will never be able to do this because i have a 16 pack and i will hang from the ceiling in a way that you know it's not humanly possible and yet you will see me do it but it was was something about the way that that was being presented, it just felt like it had grown from the ground up and that we were being included in an experience and and shown that this was something that came from toil and love and that it was open to everybody as a possibility. And that's what I loved about it. I thought that was... Very nice. I should get you to write our copy. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so, anyway. yeah. Yeah. So, and, so you're going off to Marseille now. You're going to France to be fated world famously, are you? Or or, or is that... Uh, no, I would just go. It's uh, the BIAC, which is the Biennale International Arts du Cirque, which is um, a big every two year festival in Marseille it's like a month long and yeah I'm just going to have some conversations with some people so about some when stuff. will people um, be able to see you again when will Rubber Puck be back out on the road we're back out uh, can I say yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We're back out of Bright. My producer might kill me, but it's fine. Um, oh, yeah. We're back. <laughs> no, I think it's oh, fine. So sorry. I think we have not We bright. Possibly, possibly bright. Yeah. Touring touring the UK this summer, but we'll be in Brighton from the 27th of April until the 14th of May with the Big Top and the show, the Wingscuffle Spectacular. So you're in a park. We're so in a we park can come and see you. And I really, yeah, I think dude. now I am really going to come and see you and overcome all my worry about <laughs> theatre. Oh, uh, to- totally plan, affirm everything. all of them and then never come back <laughs> never again. Never come back. Yeah. But it's lovely. Thank you so much thank for coming thank you and starting our new year in such a lovely way. Of course. Thank you ever so much, Luke. Right. And so it's goodbye from me, Sarah Crompton, the critic. And goodbye from me, Nancy Carroll, the actress. <laughs>